Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. Hey, one of the common things I hear around our country today, I hear this statement that Christians are so judgmental. Have you heard this? Have you heard this comment that Christians have this way of being so judgmental? And, and I'm not sure whether that's a fair statement or an unfair statement, but when I look at that statement, I don't like it. I'm not sure what you feel. Like if someone calls you judgmental, do you like that? Do you want to be known as someone who's judgmental? Like when I wake up in the morning and I think of all the different things I could be as a person, what I don't want to be, and I don't go, well, you know what, today I hope I can be as judgmental as possible. Right? Nobody thinks that way. And yet we find ourselves oftentimes getting stuck in a judgmental spirit. And I'm not sure when someone says to me, I'm not sure, they say, Joe, you're so judgmental. I'm not fully sure what they mean by that, but I can tell you I don't wanna be that. And certainly, I can say and see that there are times that I have been, and the Church of Jesus Christ has been judgmental. And we get stuck in this, right? And so we're in this sermon series kind of learning ways that we can get unstuck from certain situations. And today we're gonna kind of wrestle through what does it mean to be judgmental and how can we get unstuck from that kind of situation? And so before we kind of get into the how-to part of it, let me sort of define the terms for you, right? So judgmental, here's what it means. It means quick to critique and condemn. Harsh. Someone who's judgmental is someone who looks at someone on the outside and makes a decision about who they are, oftentimes without knowing the whole story or all the facts, but they are quick to critique, to make a critique about what they see, and quick to condemn what they see as right or wrong, and often it's someone who's harsh. And I know based on this definition, I'm judgmental. It's like, I don't know when somebody calls me judgmental, I'm not sure what you think or what the definition is, but based on this right here, I know that I struggle with being quick to size you up and see what I think about you and make a judgment about you based on what I think, and I have times been so incredibly harsh. Quick to hate, quick to condemn, quick to be holier than thou. You know what holier than thou is? It's like, I am better than you. I am superior to you based on what I see and what I think. I am better than you and I'm going to push you down. I'm holier than you, I'm better than you and I'm quick to be harsh, holier than thou, condemning. And based on this definition, I know that I've been judgmental and I know the church of Jesus Christ has been judgmental based on this. And yet I look at this and I go, I, I don't want to be this. This isn't what I want to be. This isn't who I am. This isn't who Jesus is. Like when Jesus walked the earth, he was not quick to critique and condemn and he was never harsh. 
And so I look at this and I go, I don't want to be judgmental and I don't want to be a part of a church that's judgmental. I don't want to be a part of a Christian community that's known as judgmental. And yet I'm stuck in it, aren't you? It's like I can look at this and go, I don't want that. And yet I find myself being that in all kinds of different ways all the time. What the heck do we do to get unstuck from this? Because this has a way of trapping us. And here's what I say. Jesus has a better way than this, but here's what the better way isn't. The better way isn't being tolerant of everything, right? Never judging anything or anyone is not the answer. That's the polar opposite side of being judgmental. The other side is being completely tolerant. Everything goes. That is also a form of prison to tolerate anything and let me or you do anything we want whenever we want and never having anything to say about that. That is also a prison. And so what do we do? How do we handle this? How do we find that sort of work our way through this? Jesus gives us so many clear things that if we would just listen to what he says, he'd guide us in this. So we're gonna start today in Matthew chapter seven. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter seven. Verses one through five, and then we're gonna jump to Matthew 18. So start in Matthew seven, we're gonna jump to Matthew 18. Would you pray with me? God, we all struggle with being critical and harsh and at times condemning. Please, Holy Spirit, work in this place today, work online, work here on campus. Expose in us ways that we're stuck, ways that we're harsh, ways that we're critical or condemning. Show us the path and lead us out of this. Give us humble hearts that want to hear your truth because the truth always sets us free. We trust you in Christ's name, amen. Matthew chapter seven, verse one, Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Maybe familiar words to you where Jesus says, do not judge. I think what he's trying to do in this passage is steer us away from this quick, condemning, harsh criticism known as judgmentalism. He's trying to teach us how to treat people. And he's telling us that if you treat people with a condemning look or a critique or be harsh with them, do you know that that's the way people are going to treat you? That you reap what you sow. And if you treat people with judgmentalism, they're going to be judgmental to you. And he's warning us and he's saying, instead, I want to teach you how to look at yourself first and foremost before you would ever look at anyone else. And he uses an illustration of sawdust. Great illustration, right? So imagine a saw's going, there's sawdust everywhere in a carpenter's shop, and he says, you notice in the eye of your friend a speck of dust. When you see a speck of dust in someone else, you can't unsee it, right? Once you know your friend has dust in their eyes, you can't go, well, I, no, I'm not going to see that. You know, you see it, you know it. And Jesus says, there's nothing wrong with seeing sawdust, 
But before you would ever critique someone's sawdust, do you know you got a lumberyard in your own eye? You got two by fours and four by fours and six by sixes coming out of every which way. You're a stinking lumberyard, and yet you're sifting through all of that to pick out a piece of dust in someone else. And in this, he's teaching us. He's teaching us to look at ourselves and our own lives first before we would ever consider anyone else's decisions or life. He says, stop judging others by first judging yourself. Do you use the same standard on yourself as you do on others? Do you hold yourself to the same standard that you hold others? This is intended, Jesus' words is intended to keep us oh so very humble as Christ followers. Oh so very humble that before we would start looking at anyone else's dust that we would spend our lives looking at ourselves and clearing out the lumberyard in our own eyes, in our own hearts, before we would spend any time noticing dust in someone else's. And it reminds me of a quote, maybe you'll remember Shakespeare. He wrote the play Hamlet, and there's a quote in there I love. It says, the lady doth protest too much, methinks. You're like, I hate old English. But just follow, like follow. There's a scene in the play where this person protests so much it's disingenuous. When someone has to protest so much, you wonder if it's just a big smokescreen. I have heard countless preachers and politicians rant about what they're against, all the while a smokescreen for them to live a double life. And we're so quick to condemn them, but maybe that's you. Maybe you protesteth too much, methinks. Because when you have to get yourself worked up and frothy mouth about how everyone else is wrong, maybe it's you. You're protesting so much that maybe, just maybe, you should stop and look at your life very closely before you would ever think you have something to say to someone else. The primary work of every Christ follower is not to look around. It's to look at you and your heart before God and compare your heart to the perfect son of God. How much work is there to do in me before I would ever notice dust? I got a two by four and a sinking lumber mill inside me. He says, stop judging others by first judging yourself. Now I want you to move to Matthew chapter 18. Turn your pages, Matthew 18, and Jesus is gonna give us some more super practical tools to prevent us from being judgmental. And he tells us in Matthew 7, first and foremost, always look at yourself and be hard on yourself before you would ever be hard on someone else. Check out what Jesus says in Matthew 18, verse 15. He says, if your brother or sister sins... Go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If your brother and sister sins against you, Jesus is creating a category where among brothers and sisters, there's a time to see sin. There's a time for this. Oftentimes, we get ourselves all worked up in all different directions, but Jesus is saying, no, there's a time for us to bring proper judgment within the family of God There's a standard, friends. 
And as people that have put our trust in Jesus, he put his spirit inside us and we have a book that's to guide us in how we are to live and to love and to serve and to care for one another. And we are intended by God to be people that live by the book, God's book and his standard and walk with his spirit in a way that pleases him. And what Jesus shows us in this is there are times that we get caught in judgmentalism because we use the standard for the family with those outside the family. You want to kill judgmentalism? Don't apply family standards to those outside the family. Right? It's so easy to judge them and to talk about all the wrongs that are happening in our world and all the kind of people that are doing this or that. No, in the family, there's a place there's a place to talk about standards and lifestyle and how God wants us to live. Jesus says, first start with yourself and be hard on yourself. And then there is a place within the family to notice and talk about sin based on his standards. Now, you might ask the question, why should we point out sin in the lives of a brother or sister? Thank you for asking. 2 Corinthians 5.10, you write this down. 2 Corinthians 5.10, I think, gives us a simple reason why we pay attention to sin in our own lives and in the lives of other people. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body whether good or bad, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Like this is reality. There's going to be a day, and nobody talks about this, there's gonna be a day where we're gonna stand before a holy judge. And if you're a follower of Christ, you don't have to be afraid of that day because Jesus paid the penalty of your sin, and yet you're still accountable for how you live in this world, and everything will be exposed, the Bible says, before a holy God. Someday Jesus will judge our lives. And as sons and daughters, I want to be faithful. I want to live up to the manner of the calling I received. I want to honor the Lord because it's in honoring the Lord that I find my greatest joy and freedom and my personality emerges the best when I honor him with how I live. We remain accountable to God and to one another as brothers and sisters of Christ. So we have to look at our lives and we have to look at the lives of people around us. And that's not being judgmental. Jesus says, Again, Matthew 18, 15, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. Jesus is saying it's loving. It's loving to humbly and privately point out sin. It's loving. If you know that your brother or sister has cancer, do you tell them? I don't want to hurt their feelings. Your brother or sister's suffering with something that's going to hurt them or destroy them. Do you go, well, I don't want to be judgmental. I'm not going to say anything. No. If your brother or sister has a sickness that's going to destroy them, you talk about it. If you see a brother or sister living in a way that's sinful, you are lovingly responsible to point that out because the wages of sin is death. We can't just say, I love one another and look the other way at sin. The most loving thing I can do and I can have someone do to me is point out my sin. But did you notice Jesus said, do it privately? Not ranting on social media about them, not 
talking about people at work, not talking about family members behind their back. That's not how you deal with this. He says, no, privately, privately. And he says, if they listen to your critique, you won them over, you help them get unstuck. But we all know there are times we've tried to humbly point things out to other people and it doesn't go well. So what do we do then? Jesus gives us further instruction, verse 16. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So if you humbly privately point out someone's sin, they refuse to listen, you don't just stop there and go, well, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Let them destroy their life. No. Jesus says the wages of sin is death, and there's ways all the way up to physical death that a brother and sister can wreck their lives. And so we have this responsibility, Jesus says. It's loving to include one or two others humbly and privately to point out sin. That's not gossip. That's not slander. That's not being judgmental. That's being loving to a brother or sister. Someone in your life is hiding an addiction Someone in your life is continually racist? Someone in your life is continually living in a destructive lifestyle that's hurting them? And just because they don't want to hear from you, you just give up and go, that ah, doesn't really matter. I don't care. Let them do what they want. No. You find one or two other people that love them too, who are humble too, who are pulling planks out of their eyes too, and care enough about this person to say, hey, uh, let's go together to our brother, to our sister, and say, what you're doing is destroying your life. We love you too much to not say something. Jesus says, this is love. This is not judgmentalism. By sometimes including a small group of humble friends, you might just grab somebody's attention and rescue them from the destruction that they're bringing on themselves but Jesus is a realist. He knows that even this doesn't work. So he says in verse 17, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. If your brother or sister refuses to listen to humble correction and warning, which is not judgmental, it's love, Jesus says then you have to be more public and you have to change your tactics you can't keep doing the same thing because this person's life is at risk. Sin brings destruction to our lives and to the people around us. So you have to treat this person, he says, treat this person like they don't believe. He uses the language, treat them like a pagan or a tax collector. Now I find this fascinating because the guy who's writing this down is, was a pagan and a tax collector. And so when Jesus says, treat them like a pagan or a tax collector, does he mean be harsh? Did Jesus treat Matthew harshly? No, he loved Matthew and said, come to me, right? And so when Jesus says, treat him like a pagan or a tax collector, he's not saying be harsh, be critical, be judgmental, be mean. He's not saying that at all. He's not saying ostracize, none of that. He's saying you have to change your tactics because your brother and sister's caught in something that's destroying them and you can't act like you don't see it. You have to do something. And so he says, here's what I tell you. You, you got to go a little more public. And when he says church, he doesn't mean like get up in front of everybody and tell everybody. He means among people that know them well, talk about this because you have to change your tactics because you're so concerned about this person you love who's destroying their life. And this is not judgmental. This is love. To pray and to love and to serve and to be so courageous that you would talk to somebody about their sin in this way, Jesus is giving us the antidote to judgmentalism. 
And so I look at judgmental, being judgmental, quick to critique and condemn and be harsh. And I look at that and I go, I don't want to be that. What do I do? And Jesus says in Matthew 7 and 18, you want to stop judging other people? Let me give you a prescription. And here's the deal. We don't want his prescription. Can we all just go, like, raise our hand and say, I would rather be judgmental, harsh, and critical? Because I don't want to follow his prescription. Because guess what his prescription is? Hey, Joe, the prescription is look at yourself first. Humbly look at your own sin. Do you want to look at your sin? I don't. I'd rather look at your sin than look at my own. And I got a lot to say about your sin. And you got a lot to say about my sin. But the antidote that Jesus says is you humbly spend your life looking at your own sin. And what you find when you do that is, boy, I'm a wreck. Boy, I don't deserve the love and grace of God. Boy, I need hope in Jesus. Um, Francis Schaeffer, he's a theologian, used a really cool example of this about our own self. He said, imagine, this is kind of interesting. He said, imagine if, if around your neck was hung a recorder and the only thing the recorder picked up was all the judgmental comments you said towards other people or thought about other people. All the times you said, can you believe she's doing that? Oh, I wish the pastor would do this. Why doesn't he do that? How come they're living that way? I'm so much better. All the condemning things thought or spoken. Imagine if that recorder only picked up those things. And when you stood before a holy judge, he grabbed the recorder off your neck and he hit play. And rather than God using his holy standard, he's like, you know, that holy standard that I have is really too high for you. Why don't we just use your standard, the standard you've used for other people. Let's play your standard of a lifetime of condemnation you've used for everyone else. Now let's use that standard on you. Who could possibly stand? And so when you look at your own sin and you see who you are before Christ, and the lumberyard in your own eyes and in your own heart, how could you stand in holy judgment over anyone? And yet, that's what we do. We choose that because it's easier. Because I don't want to look at myself. I want to look at you. I want to critique you. I, I don't want to critique me. And you want to look at me and critique me. And so Jesus says, this is a way you're stuck. You're bound up. This is not life. This is not God-given. This isn't your design. And he goes further in Matthew 18 to give us this really simple but courageous step. He says, if, if you humbly look at yourself first, then you humbly and privately point out sin to other people. Like This is the prescription, that if someone is really doing something destructive to their lives, do you love them enough to actually talk to them? Or is it just your opinion or just your idea? Is what they're doing literally destroying them? Then how do you not with great love and courage and patience and gentleness, how do you not go to someone and say, you're destroying your life? This is the prescription that Jesus gives. He says, you wanna stop judging others, you wanna stop being harsh and critical, you wanna stop being known for that as a body of believers and as a Christian, humbly look at your own sin and have the loving courage as you do that to look at your brothers and sisters around you and care enough about them in such a way that you would look at them and say, I'm so concerned about you. I'm not better than you. I'm not purer than you. I'm not whatever. I'm not holier than you. I love you so much, and what you're choosing to do is going to destroy you. 
And so I'm going to come to you and talk about it with love and courage. And if I have to, I'm going to get my posse who also love Jesus and care desperately about you. And we're going to talk to you in hopes that this gets you unstuck from the sin that's causing you downfall. And if they don't listen to that, their hearts have become so hardened, then the best thing we can do is kind of step away and treat them a little bit differently, not ostracize them, but treat them differently, pray for them differently, think about them differently, because maybe that'll wake them up before they stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And so with gentleness and love and courage and patience as a community, we make these decisions. So it's so much easier, though. I don't want to do this, do you? So it's like, please, pastor, stop talking about this. Let's get this thing over, because I don't want to do this. I'm happy to be judgmental. Honestly, I've been there, and you've been there. That today, you could sit here and go, you know what? I'd rather be harsh and condemning. I get it. I'd rather have a low standard for myself and a high standard for other people. I'd rather protest much and do a big smokescreen about all the shady things that I'm doing. I'd rather do a big smokescreen to get you looking over here, diversion, 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 so that you don't see who I really am. I'd rather be that. And Jesus has these words that humble me. Check this out in Matthew 7. We read it already. The same way, Joe, you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I mean, look at that. Son or daughter who's been forgiven by God and you've been set free and you're gonna live forever with Jesus in eternal life today. Look at this. The same standard you're using to condemn other people is the standard God would use for you? Who can stand under this? If this doesn't humble us, if this doesn't cause all of us to say, I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to be harsh. I don't want to critique. That's not my job. God, clean me. God, change me. God, help me. God, do a work in me that I would not be a part of that judgmentalism that's harsh, condemning, and critical. Because who can stand? If we use that standard, and if that's what I'm going to do to other people, that's what other people are going to do to me, is that the way to live on planet Earth? The answer is no. Would you pray with me? God, one of the most famous verses in the Bible gives us such great hope. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in Jesus will not perish, but have everlasting life. That God, you saw my judgmental heart, you saw my flawed self, and while I was yet a sinner, you sent your son to die, to take the punishment that I deserve, it was on him. That I did nothing, I can do nothing, we can do nothing to earn our salvation, our forgiveness, but it's a gift that comes from you. You so loved us that you rescued us from our sins. John 3.16 says you loved us so much, but it goes on in verse 17 to say, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And yet as sons and daughters, how condemning have we been? We've received the gift of grace and forgiveness we find ourselves condemning other people, and this is not the design of your family. 
This is not who you've made us to be. You've made us to be loving and patient, slow to anger and abounding in love, faithful and self-controlled, to bear the fruits of the Spirit in every relationship, in any interaction, that with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we would first and foremost look at our own selves and the massive amount of work done here in my heart before I would ever pick a speck of dust out of someone else's that I wouldn't use a standard for other people that are outside the family of God the same way, but I would with love and courage and patience and humility point out sin to my brother, to my sister, the sin that's destroying them. But God, it's so easy for us to just settle in, to being quick, to condemn, to critique, to be harsh. And so it's no wonder, rather than being known for our love, many are known in our country today for their judgment. This need not be so. Jesus has a better way. So help us. We need you. We count on you. Show us our sin that we might confess it to you and find forgiveness and new life. I pray through Christ our Lord. Amen.